Hello and welcome to the ET PhD team podcast, the podcast here to help you with your relationship with food and body by giving you evidence-based techniques to support yourself with a sprinkling of feminism, a dash of dismantling diet culture and a side of vulnerability as we share our own messy lives with you. I'm Emilia, a registered nutritionist and PhD with the sole purpose of making your life happier and healthier. If you love it, please do go wild and share it. And if you're ready for support with our coaching, details are in the show notes. Hello and welcome to episode number 272 of the ETPHDT podcast with myself, Becca. Hi, Becca. How are you? I am very well. Thank you. How are you? I am well. Thank you. And Anna, how are you? Also well. Thank you. Because yeah, we're just we're thriving, guys. It's great. I'm very pleased to hear it. Has anyone got any exciting news? Not really. No, I just put on this scarf, um, because I was cold. And yesterday I was in like a brown Thomas with loads of perfumes, and I'm now like inhaling about 20 different scents. So I'm feeling a bit I don't know how to describe it. Disorientated. <laughs> like, disorientated. Oh, I'm jealous. I've not got any perfume today. I feel like I kind of stink. So the problem know. is though, when you smell, like I can, I'm picking up a nice one and I'm like, I have absolutely no idea which one that is because I just tried too many. But yeah, that's kind of as exciting as it gets for me. Well, that's a pretty exciting time. I'm going, I'm hopefully going to Austin tomorrow. Hopefully. We'll see. I always get, I always, I always get anxious until I'm there. Until I'm there, I'm like, ah. We'll see what happens. And then when I'm there, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm there. I can be excited again. Do you do um immigration on your side or when you get there? Do it on the UK side. Uh, Dublin side. Okay. Dublin. Yeah. Okay, nice. Well, at least you're not like holding your breath until you get there. And yeah. I have a visa, like I'm not doing anything wrong. It's just always the fear of like is that yeah. it? Well, anytime you go to the airport, have I packed <laughs> all of yeah. these things I'm not allowed that I don't <laughs> actually have? Yeah, I <laughs> Do I have a knife in my bag? Is there a possibility? Maybe I should just check. Like, it's wild how unbelievably anxious you get about things that couldn't possibly be true just at that one moment in time. Traveling is just like a weird level of uncertainty it gives you for a few days before, especially like long haul travel. You're always just a bit like on edge. Yeah, no, definitely. It's like, did you pack your own bag? Yeah, I, I, I think so. And then you're like, I swear I did. I'm not lying. <laughs> did you ever used to think that if you put like deodorant in your bag, it would blow up? I always used to think. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes, still do. <laughs> Obviously. The liquid scenario is really confusing now as well because it's some places, some airports, fine. Other places, absolutely not fine. There's just like so many different rules. It's really annoying. But how much do you always want to be rewarded for being the fastest person at security? So you're like, watch me go, just watch me. I'm going to be the fastest and everyone's going to love me. And you're like, ready for yeah. it. You go, go, go. And then you mess I'm, up. I'm the one I look who looks efficient because I need to be behind you because otherwise I will get annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> it does always amazing. Oh, go ahead. No, I was like, when me and Lynn were traveling home from, was it Liverpool last time? We, we, we did ask to go to Liverpool Airport and he was on the way to Manchester Airport. Anyway, that's... That's a story for another day. But when we got to the airport, my bag went into, you know, the the section that it goes into when there's something wrong. Obviously, there was something wrong with my bag. There was Vaseline in the bottom or something. Not surprised, but anyway. And it was the longest wait ever. And of course, Lynn just trotted through and she was like, I'll see you inside. <laughs> not even waiting for you. Like, it was no. way too long. I hope this was actually the time with Lynn, otherwise I'm I'm really painting a bad picture of Lynn. But anyway, I definitely insisted she left and got a coffee and sat down somewhere. <laughs> yeah, she's or- she's too organised to have to wait for any of us to talk about people leaving Vaseline in our bags, I think. Yeah, that's true. This is true. Okay, let's get cracking on the questions. Becca, do you want to go first? Sure. Okay, I was wondering if you have any advice about how to deal with body comments. In particular, my boyfriend comments on my body a lot. He only ever ever says positive things, but I feel like he sees my body very differently to how I do. I never know how to respond. I don't want to seem rude as I know they only come from a place of love. I'm just going to put it out there. He does see your body differently because we all see each other's and our own bodies differently because 
you've got the dog in the background um but yeah because like, it's a perception right our body image is a perception but everybody it's like perfection we all see it differently so keeping that in mind but if if you are finding that his comments aren't helpful then having that that conversation and as is said in the question like I appreciate that it's coming from a place of love but actually it's not helpful for me and and the work that I'm doing on my relationship with body right now yeah and I think recognizing like that doesn't have to be a long-term thing like you might find that it's not helpful right now but you know when you've got to a place where you feel like you're you've got a positive body image it it was it's less likely to be something that is triggering for you or difficult for you even though you don't focus on body related compliments anymore you can start to see it for what it is which is your boyfriend just trying to say something nice I'd question like your relationship with compliments on the whole and it's really important I think that we can accept compliments and I don't necessarily mean specifically in this situation because like you said Anna if it if it's upsetting for you in some way then for now maybe it's a boundary that you have but you know when people give us compliments and we shoot them down it's kind of you you take something away from that person because they want to say something nice and they're trying to connect with you and you're like no 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 no, that's not true it's like well I just wanted to connect with you and be kind to you and say something thoughtful and kind and you've ruined that by not allowing me to say it and again this is not the specific situation but why are we apart from because we're British like, why are we so bad at taking compliments? And it's sometimes it's like this incongruence or like this um, dichotomy it brings up in us and like, well, I don't believe it, so therefore it's not true. And it's like, well, I wonder if you get curious and, and think, well, what if that is true? What if, okay, I'm trying to think of an example. My boyfriend is always like, you don't have any wrinkles. And I'm like, well, I know that I do have wrinkles and there's no way that I can say to him or there's no way that I could sit here and say, well, maybe it's true. Maybe I don't have wrinkles. Objectively, they're there, right? But I can get curious and think, well, if he doesn't see any wrinkles, then why can I not believe that he doesn't see any wrinkles? That could be true. And that's lovely because he's not looking at them because he's looking somewhere else. Fine, whatever. Um, But get curious about it and think, well, what, why are we so reluctant to, to accept that someone likes our clothes or some, someone thinks we're stylish or whatever? I'd love if everyone just got better at accepting compliments and saying thanks. Like when mm. someone says to me, "You're funny," I'm like, "Thanks." I know. Like I like to, you know, accept it. Why can't why can't we do that? Mm. Also, I was just thinking, like you were saying, obviously, like as your body image improves, you can like, accept compliments a little bit more when it's about your body. And I was thinking, like. I can accept compliments, but sometimes deep down, I do want those words of affirmation. And it might be worth like having that conversation with him because that might be his way of showing you love in that's his love language. And whilst it might not be your preferred way of receiving it, maybe it's having like a bit, getting a bit curious as to, okay, well, this is my love language. This is how I like to give and receive love. And finding things that you can do together to support each other that way as well. I was just laughing in my head because it's like give and receive and love <laughs> and share. And if you don't know what this reference is, it's a French reference. But every time I hear that, I'm like, I love that. Gosh, friends. Oh, sorry. Continue. That was that was it. You've ruined the moment. <laughs> do you ever ruin the moment with friends? I think not. No, never, never. Yeah. Agree. Give yourself permission as well to actually enjoy. Like there is this unspoken rule that we can't like ourselves too much or it's conditioning basically to to not be overly confident or too much or whatever it is. And it's like, is that why you find compliments so icky that it kind of, I don't know, it, it brings up a fear in you that you are quote unquote loving yourself or that you love yourself. Like that's not a bad thing. Remember, remember to remind yourself of that remember that that was like the ultimate criticism it's yeah, good. she loves herself don't feel of herself yeah like gosh I wish I had Lizzo when I was 16 but alas if you said that about me now I'd be like oh my god thank god they, thank god they <laughs> that and they don't think that I'm this like shell of a human who's yeah. 
like yeah so self-conscious or whatever it's it's a compliment now whereas it would have been so insulting in the past Anna uh does it take someone who has had HA for years longer to regain their cycle compared to someone that has lost it to say a few months ago for the first time not necessarily it would depend on I suppose if you were quite underweight or your habits were deeply ingrained then in that sense it might take longer to get to you know weight restoration or to a place where you're actually able to let go of habits or disordered behaviors but in terms of like a time scale not so much it's it wouldn't be the longer it's gone the longer it's gonna take to come back on a physiological level um but it might take longer for you to recover in terms of making changes and actually being able to adhere to certain changes. Yeah, I think there was a bit of research that I found. This was a year or two ago now, and they looked at like recovery rates and how long that they'd had their periods missing, and there was no association between it. Like they don't, there's no, yeah. So I, I mean, I agree with everything you said, Becca, but I'm just backing that up with like all of the work you've done with clients or we've done with clients and then, yeah, researched. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the belief sometimes can be impacted in terms of like people can think, well, it's been gone, it's gone for 20 years or however many years and it's never going to come back. And that sort of self-belief or belief that it is going to come back can impact things as well. And and I suppose make it feel like it's so out of your reach when actually it is possible for you. And just like, you know, anyone else who has lost their cycle, you can get it back. I'm really sorry. I'm just sitting here with my mouth gaping open when you're talking because I literally can't. My nose is just completely closed. <laughs> oh, I'm literally like, like, I can't breathe. And then you were just talking there and I was looking at my questions. So I moved, I, I'm trying to not look at my own face, but I moved my question. So I saw my own face and my mouth was just like, dead. <laughs> so I apologize. Obviously, people watching, people listening can't see. However, that's what's happening. So I was just surrounded by people with goals at the moment. I, I'm kind of coming out of it, but I had. And then my partner is absolutely suffocated at the moment. So I'm just like, I'm so used to someone <laughs> sounding like they're going to die. Tiny <laughs> so, time. Oh, great. I'm glad. I've just been using steroid spray for one, a few weeks too many, I think. Just yeah. not great. That's not health advice that anyone should be taking. Anyway. Um not how to not get ahead of yourself when your cycle returns I'm so weary that I don't want it to go again how to not get ahead of yourself well our recommendations are to obviously give yourself enough time we say sort of a minimum of three cycles for a couple of different reasons but just to make sure that you are actually um allowing your body a time to recover and to get into a pattern as well so that you can notice or you can start seeing a pattern with how long your cycles are and that then will allow you to to see if any changes do kind of occur after that um the big thing I would say is to remind yourself of like you're not getting your cycle back to go back to where you were and you're not doing what you're doing now to go back to just repeating the same things that got you to HA in the first place um so when those thoughts start coming up where I don't know maybe that's why you feel like you're getting ahead of yourself to remind yourself that it's 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 a different path it's not going to look the same way it looked in the past um and also like you are coaching with I think it's one of my clients I can't see because I have your lovely faces in in the way but um talk to your coach like if you do have uh thoughts of making changes and it seems really tempting to add in that extra run or to drop calories again um or whatever it is like say that out loud um journal on it get curious about why that is and have patience that's the biggest thing because making too many changes too fast even though it can be exciting because you're like oh I've my period back like everything's regular it's going well I miss training so much therefore I'm going to add it back in and and unfortunately that happens so often where things can yeah get interrupted again and it's it's not where you want to be 
I think that there is that, like you said, Becca, there's almost like, well, I was going to say urge, but probably that's not quite the right word. But once you have that first cycle, then it's like, okay, I can take my foot off the gas and I don't need to keep doing this. But like you were saying, you need to see those few cycles to really get to know your body, to know that it's back in a regular rhythm. So it's almost like a, yes, absolutely celebrate all of the stuff that you've done to get to this point, but keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Is it Becca or me? Oh, Becca. Sorry. Sorry, Becca, it's you. No, I'm sorry, because I was fully convinced it's Anna. Um, how would you go about setting a boundary regards discussing bodies and diets? I want to set a boundary with friends and family because it's so ingrained in our culture to discuss diets, especially in groups of women. And I just don't want to listen to any anymore, but also want to be able to hang out with my friends and family. We've answered a question on like body comments, I'd say two in every podcast for the like the last six weeks or something. So definitely if you've asked this question, definitely I'm sure you have, but listen to the other ETPHD pod like episodes. Um because we do kind of cover this. Honestly, I think it and I, I know it sounds simple, but honestly, I would just in a calm situation, not necessarily like a big Christmas day type of vibe but a camp situation when you're there maybe one-on-one maybe a group whatever feels comfortable comfortable for you I would just say um I totally get that you're interested in like diets and stuff like that that's so fine but I would really appreciate if we didn't talk about it because we don't even have to have to say because I would just really love it if we didn't talk about it if you want to say it because because I just don't feel like it's helpful for me right now and there's so many other things that I think are interesting to talk about and it and I know that sounds really simple but it can be sometimes as simple as that and if someone has an opinion on it and they're like oh don't be so precious or I don't know whatever they might say um then you can say like I get like that's your preference but again like this is just something that like it's not a big deal I just don't want to talk about it and try your very best to like ground yourself breathe through it and don't rise to what is effectively that type of um uh reaction is a defensiveness because then if they're like well th- what are you too good to speak about bodies and diets but that what does that say about me if you don't want to talk about it and so there's maybe a bit there might be a bit of defensiveness that comes up but like ultimately you just have to be really clear on like this is what's important to me do it in a nice chill environment don't accusatory like you guys can talk about it whatever you want when i'm not there just when i'm there would love it if we change the subject and if you don't want to set the boundary then just change the subject yourself or just leave the room where they're talking about it. But again, I don't mean strop, strop off. I mean, like, go do the dishes or whatever, you know? I do think sometimes it's quite nice to just be like, isn't it wild that we think it's okay to like, talk about these things when body shape, weight is the least interesting thing about someone? And not not to, like you said, not as like a confrontational thing, but just to open up discussion there, like, and have that conversation sometimes it can be really nice yeah um okie dokie is it normal to be up a few pounds after a tough strength workout Uh, okay i've got a couple things to say on this stop weighing yourself after a tough strength workout like why are you weighing yourself after a workout it's not reliable at all when you train you you um create damage muscle damage inflammation which increases water retention which increases potentially weight um metabolism produces water when you're training hopefully you're drinking hopefully you had breakfast all of these things will impact your weight maybe you peed maybe you didn't um even if you weighed yourself directly before strength training and directly after Yes, it could still change again because of the inflammatory response, because of the metabolic response, um, because of the water that you've drunk. But the question is, what benefits weighing? Maybe there is a benefit that I don't know about. Maybe you're a strength athlete or something. Maybe it's this is this is relevant to your sport or something like that. Um, in that which case, you know more than me on that specific front. But aside from that, look at your relationship with the scales. I would say yeah and if there's a jump of a couple of pounds overnight or like 
after a session like that's most definitely not actual fat gain either so either way kind of doesn't really matter what it is is what I'm thinking Mm, I have definitely not with when I was working with Amelia or Dan because neither of those I I took weight but I've definitely in the past sent weight over to a coach and gone I trained legs yesterday just so you know that's why my weight's not changed or has gone up or has nothing to do with my poor eating habits the night before yeah when I competed I used to I was so specific I'd only weigh on certain scales at my work and I would take the weight of the coffee that I drank I'd take that off the scale weight and then yeah yeah yeah, (laughs) that's that's called extreme disordered relationship with weight body and food obviously because I was competing um I didn't tell you I think I maybe mentioned to you Anna randomly passing that I got absolutely humbled recently because I got my weight taken um I don't weigh myself I haven't weighed myself in like five or six years and I went to the doctors to get my scale weight done and normally I just don't even look because I just it just doesn't serve me at all and uh anyway it was kind of unavoidable it was there and my weight was way off what I thought it was and I was like but my body fat levels I don't really think particularly have changed which basically means that I've lost like significant amounts of muscle (laughs) and I was like oh that's upsetting (laughs) like I say upsetting it was like oh that was humbling humbling (laughs) didn't make me train harder in the gym although I do train well actually these days quite well um but it was very much like it's so funny because I would if I ever had to put my weight in for something I would just put in the weight that I guessed that I was it was just way off like really quite a lot of what it actually was. And I was like, gosh, it's the same as like, you know how people say, oh, you can only eat intuitively if you've tracked before and you know the calories. And if you've cra- if you've tracked, you definitely know what's in food. And I'm always like, that's not true. Like, that's really not true. I genuinely, I could, if I wanted to, probably guesstimate my calorie intake if I wanted to do that. But day to day, I don't know what, how many calories I'm eating, right? And it's the same with scale weight. It's like, you, you kind of know your body. Like, no, no, like when you start living from your body from the inside out, and how you feel you you genuinely do lose track of like that the weight the gravitational pull on this earth of your body like I was way off and I and I've tracked like one day I think about six months ago and I was way off in terms of what I thought was eating like you do lose and this might be this might sound scary to some people but for reference, like I'm the healthiest and the fittest that I've been and I eat a more nutritious diet than I ever have. So it's not a negative for me to be detached from these things. It's not like I'm completely blind to them. But yeah, like you think that you're as a nutritionist, as a PT, as a coach, you think, oh yeah, but you kind of know. <laughs> I, I did not know. That's <laughs> all bold. Kendrick Lamar style. Um, I was enjoying the fact I know obviously your nose issue is not illness related but I'm the healthiest I've ever been said with a blocked nose <laughs> I'm fine I'm fine okay if you don't get that French reference either then I'm sorry but you're not welcome here <laughs> um I don't know whose question it is Anna is it yours it's, no. it's you <laughs> can you please share some more best practices or tips and tricks for moving away from calorie tracking? Mm-hmm. I mean, we talk about either cold turkey, gradually phasing it out, be that with food groups, losing a meal um, a day, having a cutoff point with tracking, but also kind of thinking, okay, well, what else can I do to support myself? Uh, And that might look like holding yourself accountable, like we talk about with kind of thoughts around body and calling yourself out, telling yourself to stop when you notice you're mentally calculating, maybe challenging yourself to try buying some different foods that you might not necessarily know the calories in because you might typically always buy the same ones because you know exactly what's in them but actually trying something different might help taking away food labels so you're not tempted to look at them or just kind of turning them around in the cupboard I don't know turning them the opposite way (laughs) yeah Yeah. and deleting my fitness file 
like but well yeah yeah like it seems like obviously the obvious one but it's the one thing that it's there like on your home screen and it's so tempting for you to just click on it and to type something in and to get a rough idea of where you're at just delete it get rid agree I'd also look at like some sort of self-regulation around potential anxiety that comes up with it so if you really feel on edge or uncertain um around like not tracking your dinner for, for late that day like having some sort of like grounding practice around those meals can be really helpful or around those thoughts can be really helpful episode 51 which feels like a very long time ago was on this on this podcast was top tricks top tips for stopping tracking so i would recommend that you listen to episode 51 um to be honest we would probably add in some more stuff from that but there's so much on there in terms of the practical logistic stuff as well as some of the thoughts managing your thoughts around it and being really mindful of um still counting in your head and stuff which will happen by the way when you stop tracking you will count in your head and that will take time to dissipate yeah I was actually having a conversation earlier with somebody having this exact struggle with like not calculating calories or counting calories across the day and we came up with an idea of like journaling on it so what is your emotional brain telling you it's telling me that um I'm going to gain loads of weight if I don't track this this evening but what's your rational response to that and her rational response was I can trust my body and actually this aligns with my health goals right now so like rash like Amelia was saying look at or one of you was saying look at like the thoughts that come up around it and the fears and think about what's actually realistic in that moment agree love that okay it's me isn't it i'm wondering how the team approach aging and the pressures that it can bring um sorry settling down friends getting married or having children it's some it sometimes can be hard to remember that we all have our own path i particularly struggle with accepting myself and not questioning my big decisions should i move here or there should i stay with this person or should i look for more i'd be interested to hear everyone's thoughts we asked some questions this other week didn't we about positive age beliefs so mm-hmm. i'm going to say if you let definitely listen to um episode number 267 comparing your life stages to others um around having positive age beliefs by the way i've got a new role model for positive age beliefs pamela anderson yes oh yes what a goddess or do we say god now anyway regardless she what what a vision and i don't mean aesthetically although of course she is a vision aesthetically but just like she's like yeah i just decided to stop wearing makeup i wasn't making a statement i just thought do you know what you're in your 60s I think she said if she said something like you're in your 60s surely by now what how you are is good enough and you should just stop your makeup where do you At Paris Fashion Week. <laughs> where do you like hear her messaging have you seen like an interview or is it her social media I, I saw an interview maybe it was like women's health or something that they'd quoted her um and, and I recently started following her on Instagram and so you know how internet works and you start getting recommended these things and I think on daily mails or whatever I'm sure that they did a headline on her having not worn makeup to a premiere but she is incredible so I think again we talk about positive age police on the other pod but um, that's definitely one I I think for me really coming back to your values and and and, and I think the resentment comes from some two things one you get triggered because you're not putting the time or the intention into what's most important to you. And there could be many reasons for that. Or two, you are putting all of that in there, but you're not seeing the quote unquote results from that. Example being like marriage. If you really want to get married, fine. But are you working like 60 hour weeks and in the gym for 10 hours a week and prepping your food for five hours per week and then seeing your friends for five hours per week? Then that's fine, but that, that's going to be more difficult and you can get a bit annoyed because it's like a a reflection of like your inner the inner like acknowledgement that you're not doing the stuff that is important to you or acting in line with what's important to you but then the other thing is like you see marriage is important and you're going on a day every single day 
whether that's the right way to do it or not I have absolutely no idea um and, and then there's the resentment that comes with that of like I'm doing everything I can and, and then I think with that side of things it's much more about like okay trust in I know it sounds really blase but trust in the timing of your life and you know what you think is not right or what you think is wrong right now whether it's not moving in the right direction too fast or something like maybe that is the right thing I find a lot of I find a lot of peace in not my friends getting divorced right definitely not that but dark (laughs) very dark let me finish I find a lot of peace in like celebrities getting divorced (laughs) (laughs) what I mean is at my age 37 lots of people have been married and divorced and I have not been married and divorced and I don't think one is better than the other but I'm sure that when they got married they weren't thinking at 37 I'm going to get divorced and when I was 15 I didn't think at 37 I would be not married but like that's the way that their life was supposed to turn out and this is the way that my life is supposed to turn out and I think taking away these expectations of what like the way that things should look because I do think as long as you're continuing to act in line with what's in line with your values then your life is going the way that it's supposed to go and I make acknowledgement of sometimes life is an absolute shitter and like throws 10 spanners in the work and I'm not saying that life is supposed to go really awful when like awful things happen but I mean more in terms of life stages and stuff I think I've been incredibly, um, I don't say privileged, but I don't, I don't think that's what I'm, but for me, there is no, there has never been kind of those societal pressures. Like I, I grew up feeling slightly odd because out of all my friends, my parents were the ones that weren't married. Like they didn't get married until they were both in their mid sixties. They'd been together 30 years, but you know, you can't rush these things. And likewise for years, they didn't live in the same house. And for me, that has been quite nice in, okay, well, there is no kind of perfect ideal way to be living your life. Like you can love someone, have children with them, but (laughs) I was going to say, still not be a hundred percent sure you want to live with them, but it still works. And challenging those like this is where you should be this is what things should look like for me there's been not those sort of pressures but I have noticed kind of as friends have got engaged or friends have had babies and there's a it, more so it's not a should it's a is that something that I want that I've not really considered but like you were saying Amelia just having the trust in I'm quite happy doing what I'm doing and things will fall into place as and when they should. But if it is something that I truly want for me, not because I feel like it's coming from a place of should, then I'll actively work to to do what I can to bring more of that. Yeah. No, I think, are you going to go ahead? No, I was just going to say, like, this might be a toxically positive spin on it, but... And it's also really cliche, but counting like your blessings in terms of what you actually are. <laughs> I know that's just the most it's your blessings. Right? No, but it, like it's, it's so easy to look at like what you see in other people's lives and what they have, and then just totally disregarding like what what you have in your life and what is going the way you want it to go in your life. Um, and there's trade offs for everything. That's probably the wrong word, but someone who's like married with kids may not have like the same quality friendships as you do or have the same amount of time to give to their friendships. So therefore you might have like much closer knit friendships and gain so much benefits from that. And like, they could very well be looking at you thinking, gosh, like she's got the best friends and they have the best time. So, and it is, really often the case where you want what you don't have and if that's if you let yourself go there every single time it's just a constant kind of comparison trap oh my god I'm killing it today with the <laughs> but it is true right guys I'm not just pulling this up in air. Yeah, it is true also there's some cool research about happiness and connection and loneliness and um 
I don't think I'm going to butcher this. If I do, I apologize. But single people or unmarried people are often more connected, um, are are more so connected or less experience less loneliness than married people. And one of the reasons that they think that is is because single people nurture their relationships a lot more um, than people, again, not all, right, but people who are married or they have more time to nurture their friendship. So you think maybe that, oh, I'm lonely, I need to find a partner. And that might help, yeah, but actually, if you look at marriage, actually, maybe you're better off being single. Like, it's just, it is important to keep that in mind. Um, I would say too, like, you know, should I move here or there? Should I stay with this person or should I look for more? There's always going to be more in terms of the grass is always going to be greener to some degree. And that's something I don't love about this culture of like, oh, but if that doesn't work, then I'll just go to someone else. And I'm not saying this is what you're doing at all. Um, I'm sure it's not. But I do think, I do, I do dislike that part of this culture of like, the next, okay, well, I can just do the next thing. Whether it's work, partner, country. And actually, as someone who has slept around, kind of kidding, um, someone who's like moved different countries and, you know, dated different types of people and all that stuff, like, Honestly, the grass is not always greener and often it's very much not. And like, yes, experience as much as you can. And I do think, I do think take advantage of experience and potential to experience because one day you can't do those things. But, you know, don't like, don't miss out on, here you go, Becca. Like, don't miss out on like what you've got now for chasing something else because you can always be chasing something else and then you've missed out on your entire life. And then sometimes the grass is greener and there is something else out there for you. So uh, like that's where it, <laughs> it's true though, that sometimes it, there is. And to be honest with yourself around certain things, like do we share the same values? Can I see, do I see a future with this person? Um, like where do I want to be in five years time? And is this allowing me to, to get there? So those honest conversations with yourself are sometimes needed and, yeah there might be an element of wanting more and thinking there's always better out there but then sometimes it isn't right for you sorry Amelia to just like you're totally you're so right though it's like there's no like we don't know if your relationship is right for you or not like we don't we don't know but you are right like do I want to be in this relationship for the next till I die Uh although then also I think (laughs) like sometimes when you're dating you're like two dates in and you're like oh could I marry this person and it's like well, why can't you just focus on now I heard a bit of dating advice recently and it was like it's the, most people go oh most people go on dates oh this this new update on mac it just when you move your hands it does like things on your computer screen oh. <laughs> wait why is it not, why is it not doing that <laughs> no one listens to podcast as well anyway yeah that's upsetting it's just us waving our hands at the computer screen <laughs> oh no don't, no you're not that person don't do i love heart like that but i love if you do love heart on facetime though it turns into love hearts and i thought well, I, I, I why is it not doing it anyway <laughs> anyone who's listening to the podcast we're just trying to make a little emojis come up on our screen um the bit of dating advice i heard recently was like everyone goes into dating thinking about what you've got in common and what you love about this person or like really like about this person but you should go on dates thinking what do I dislike about this person and is that something that I could live with and I, and I thought <laughs> that's interesting and because a, a lot of it is it's about like saying do our do our issues match and I think a lot of that. as I get older the more I realize the more it's like it's like I, I get on with a lot of people but it's also like okay but can I deal with their issues and can they deal with mine because some things you want to deal with and some things you don't are there quote unquote difficult qualities no mm-hmm. yeah, I, well I was, I was just thinking that's probably the approach of all the time with dating like uh, will you do <laughs> you know what else is interesting the thing that you might this is probably off topic, but the thing that draws you to someone or that you really like about someone at the start is often the thing that you don't like about them down the line. It, like so often that happens where they're like, oh, I really like him. He's really hardworking. And then like a couple of years in, oh, he's no time for me. He's always working. Yeah. 
So much that. And the red flag, the red flag that you notice at the beginning is always the reason why you break up. The red flag you ignore at the beginning is always the reason why you break up. You can fix it though. <laughs> no! <laughs> this podcast. That's what you tell yourself. You're like, it's fine in the context of everything else that I love. And then like, yeah, because I said, you don't like that stuff. And then you're like, oh gosh. It's an absolute minefield. A minefield. Um, okay. Anna. Um, whenever I drink, I get extreme anxiety and feel like my life is out of control the next day. I really want to only have one to two drinks max or none at events and it'd be quite good at mostly, but then sometimes we'll get easily swayed. I feel like I almost want to be teetotal, but know that most of my friends' social lives revolve around going out for drinks. I'd like not to be like this, but also don't want to be the boring one. Any tips on how to manage all the drinking events from now until Christmas? One time I got such bad anxiety that I woke up in the middle of the night and went on my Instagram and deleted any post that had any sort of semblance to showing what my, where my house was. My, 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 I think if I said this before, like my bedroom, anywhere, deleted everything. I was so anxious. I woke up the next day like, oh. I even deleted, I'd had like a Paris filter picture and I deleted it because I was like, it's too filtered. It looks like I'm fake. And it was just a Paris filter. This was back in the day when I used to use Paris filter. Anxiety is the absolute worst. So oh, I think that's enough to stop drinking. <laughs> it, it does sound like it's adding to your life. I'm just imagining Amelia in bed, just like startled, <laughs> like that's terrible but it goes to show like what it can the actual alterations the what it can do to your brain basically and it really does it really can cause awful anxiety yeah I've been there as well with like irrational thoughts and just I don't know thinking your life is falling apart and everything's a disaster and then waking up the next day and like what was all that about and it's if I experienced that every single time and if it was a constant in my life like I definitely wouldn't drink every week or whatever so if it's if it's causing you that much upset and distress like it's not adding to your life it's actually taking away from it right now um but it's it's tricky right because then you have the social element and you're saying that you don't want to be sort of feeling isolated or not having the fun at the time um and that's where moderation comes in. I'm absolutely coming at you again with the cliches, but it's really, really true when it comes to alcohol, isn't it? The the volume is the key difference that it will make the next day. Um, so potentially it's it's looking at like how many drinks that you do have and the types of drinks you have. Yeah, but also like let's have a reality check here. You go to a pub and drink a non-alcoholic wine. You can also do it without telling anyone. Um, you can there's non-alcoholic cocktails now. My best friend's boyfriend always gets a pina colada mocktail because he loves them, and I respect it so much. We're just out for dinner. He's like, "Yeah, that's like good, good for you." Um, so yeah, like, like you, there, there's no that doesn't add connection to your life. It, it alcohol doesn't. It's the situation that adds connection to your life, and you can have the exact same situation with a non-alcoholic wine or cocktail. Um, so. That's I feel like that's maybe a little bit of a hiding behind something because maybe you're a bit fearful of that, which is totally understandable. But the other, the other thing I would say is often anxiety comes when you are anxious. Like when the, the situations I'm telling you about, I also remember being in Dubai and waking up in the morning and I thought I'd put one too many pictures of me out for dinner and it made me look like I wasn't working hard enough. So I took one of the pictures down. Like it's just obscene, obscene, especially because of how hard I was working at time. But that was a reflection of my anxiety at the time that I maybe well I was dealing with it as best as I could to be fair I was doing all the coping strategies but it was a reflection of that and so I kind of want to highlight too like right now it might be contributing to your anxiety because you've got other things going on maybe and you're working through those things it doesn't have to be I'm never drinking again and I'm going to be teetotal and you know give up alcohol for good but maybe just for the next month just try having like sub making these substitutes um because yes yeah, like i'm all for drinking wine and stuff and, and enjoying yourself but not if it's not adding to your life like it's just take it this just seems to be not enjoyable at all 
Mm. I was just thinking about the, like, I hate the narrative of being the boring one because you're not having a drink because uh, unfortunately there is that around alcohol. Like there's that assumption that in order to have a good time, you need to be having a drink. And what you need to be doing is actually what's best for you because you can show up and be fully present and just as engaged without it. I would question whether, and I don't know from this, from this whether it's kind of the pressure to drink from other people or whether you feel that you need to have alcohol to not be boring and, and kind of considering, okay, well, what is it about going out with these people that I feel like I need alcohol to loosen up or, or to be myself a bit more, like just getting a bit more curious about that as well. Is it me? It's me, is it? Yeah, myself. Oh, <laughs> gosh, we're we're on fire today. <laughs> okay, how to not feel mad or frustrated at your partner when he offers you wine and dessert, etc., and puts the idea in your head, making it feel harder to avoid temptation of the food you want, but. Oh, that's it. There's nothing after the butt. <laughs> Sorry. Like Hannah's like they're going to come up with something groundbreaking. <laughs> uh, I can assure you, not groundbreaking. <laughs> the way my brain is today. How not to feel mad? Hmm. Yeah. It's it's a tricky one, like because you could put boundaries in place and say, oh, can you not offer me wine dessert? But then if they're not offering you wine and dessert and it's like an unspoke, if it's a rule, then is that going to also create issues for you that you're, you know, not happy with them? Sorry, they're not offering. Um, maybe it's a kind of a thing that you say at the moment, I'm working really hard on um whether your goal is let's say fat loss or improving relationship with food or something if it aligns let's say putting a boundary in place might be helpful for you at the minute you know it would make it easier for me if you didn't offer me wine and dessert for the moment um it's kind of like managing your food environment isn't it with you know setting yourself up at home in a way that's going to be helpful for you that it's you know you're not keeping things on the table or yeah you're just making your choices um helpful for you so maybe a conversation around it how it makes you feel what you want from them because they don't know what you want until you you say it so expressing that to them um yeah communication on this one I think is the main thing otherwise resentment is going to build and you're going to be feeling angry Communication's always the worst answer and I'm like god damn it <laughs> again sorry <laughs> Um, I'm probably going to be a little bit tough cop here in that I agree with everything that, that Becca like you've just said but then on the flip side I do think there's something to be said for like this is your journey and no one else has to understand it it's great if they do and they support you and we want that but you are you what is incredible is that you have the power of choice and you can say no thank you and work on bringing your thoughts back to the present moment to surfing that urge to distracting yourself to whatever it is that you're doing in the evening and isn't it amazing that you can practice that you can practice sitting with a craving and not acting on it because you can you can surf that and sometimes you will act on it because you really want it and sometimes you'll be like oh do you know what I can just go go to bed it's bedtime anyway or in five minutes I'm just going to go to bed now and I don't want that because it's not in line with my goals that is a lifelong skill that you can develop that you'll have forever it doesn't rely on other people because people are going to be offering you wine and dessert probably for the rest of your life and it's not your partner's fault and I think that's thing too like the compassionate headspace here is that yes we want to build self-compassion but you I'm sure whoever's asked this question that you are a compassionate person towards others I'm sure that you are so can you show that your partner compassion in that he's just trying to be loving and kind and offering you stuff and 
to me, that's how you avoid building frustration at them. Although it's easy to say that when I don't live with a partner who I feel is, you know, derailing me a little bit, like, or has the potential to do that. But, you know, it's not his job to manage that. It's your job to manage that for yourself and how amazing that you can. As much as I agree with everything that you said, Becca. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, how empowering is it for somebody who has had struggles to be able to say no rather than always saying yes because it's in front of me or yes because they offered um yeah so I I agree with you too maybe there is a period of time where you maybe for you or maybe what Amelia is saying is is what you want to do and you want to really practice being able to say yes or no um or maybe you do need a period of time where it's a little bit easier for you um the other thing I was going to say is that it's reminded me of someone says, oh, my partner's such a feeder or my mom's such a feeder. They're always like trying to feed me. Um, there's definitely something in that around resentment isn't there and mm-hmm. feeling like, you know, the, the person's trying to derail you when actually it might be their way of showing love. Yeah, I do think we're living in a bit of a culture at the moment of like, oh, if you don't like it, just put boundaries in. If you don't just like it, put boundaries in. And we've kind of gone from being people pleasers to like, oh, but that's just my boundary, and that's it. And it's like, okay, but is that boundary actually serving you and potentially your connection with other people? And, for example, if you're like, and look, and and, and there are times when you really need to be rigid with your boundaries for sure, but say you put a boundary with your family of like, appreciate, you know, that you came, you came about my health, but I don't want you to comment on my body. And they keep slipping up because because they're 65 years old. That's not, actually, that's not old. 95 <laughs> years old um and you know they're 95 years old and they're coming on your body and that's because that's just what they've always done are you going to just stop seeing your grandma because she keeps coming on your body when you set a boundary but because she's really trying but that's just, you know she doesn't know any different maybe maybe that is the right thing for you but i definitely do think we're kind of like that ultimately if you if you stick to that boundary you might lose connection with your grandma and is that really serving you or is what's going to be serving you better going to be to manage how you respond to those comments rather than managing her I always think it's helpful to look at I do think I I just think sometimes we are too boundaried or too rigid in our boundaries we're not doing boundaries properly we're we're actually become they're becoming a disservice to us okay let's leave it there Thank you so much for your question. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And as always, if you did, please do feel free to like, share, subscribe and review. And if you would like to chat to me, then you can find details of my Instagram in the show notes.